That was a quick video. I got to move a little quicker next service. Well, uh, today we are talking about our, our new series, How to Be Happy, because God wants you to be happy. As I say that, who in here agrees with that statement, God wants you to be happy? There's some hands. Other people are a little nervous. Who in here would be bold enough to say, no, I don't think that's right? Lift your hand. Oh, we got some hands. I took a poll on, online, on social media, before I had even announced that I was doing this series, and about 20 to 25% of people were saying, I don't think that's true. The rest are like, yeah, God wants me to be happy, but the rest are like, I'm not so sure. I don't think so, I, or I, I know that God doesn't want that. So it's really interesting, because on this, a lot of Christians and non-Christians agree. I, I think people who aren't followers of Jesus think, man, God just seems mean and angry. Or just so distant that he doesn't even care about us. How could he want us to be happy? And it's almost like this idea that God is like the assistant principal. Do you remember that assistant principal? Whenever kids were having fun, something bad must be happening. Stop it! Are you laughing? Stop! No more fun. No laughing, no singing. Okay, that, that, uh, if you're an assistant principal, my apologies. Like, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the other assistant principal. But you know what I'm talking about? The camp counselor. No fun. Okay, some people think that's how God is, that he doesn't want us to be happy at all. Then there's also people who are believers who say, I don't think that's right, Matt. And it even sounds really good because they'll say things like, no, God wants us to be wholly not happy. Man, that sounds really spiritually mature, doesn't it? But I'm here today to tell you and to show you from the scriptures that God wants you to be happy. He really does. Some of you are really excited about that. Some of you, it's going to be tough because you're already thinking, well, I don't know about this, Matt. I don't know. Well, let's, let's just look at what the Bible says, okay? And this is so important that we're actually going to start with this idea that God wants you to be happy before we can talk about the how. And really, I do think this is part of the how because our beliefs actually undergird everything we do. What we believe changes how we think, changes how we act, and changes how we ultimately feel. So we have to get our beliefs right. And that's why we're going to start there today, and this is really an intro to the whole series. We're going to talk about some specific ways that we can be happier in our lives, how to be happy. And it's a five-week series, but you've got to have this foundation or else the next four messages aren't going to really make sense. So today we're going to learn that, yes, God does want you to be happy. So what I want you to do, if you're here online or in person, I want you to commit to this five-week series. Commit to this five-week series. Even if you think, Matt, you are totally wrong, and here's why, just listen to this series, okay? Just commit to this five-week series. If some of you are already saying, like, okay, well, I'm traveling next week. I'm going to be busy. i got a soccer game or whatever. You can subscribe online. Of course, we want you here in person to worship weekly with us, but if you're online, we have some regulars online. We love you that you're joining us online every week. Just commit to this. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe on your podcast app, and just stay here for this whole series. Even if you're not a believer, you could be from a different faith or no faith. I still want you to commit to this five-week series because it's going to have some practical things to help you be happier. And who doesn't want to be happier, right? Raise your hand if you want to be happier. I think we all do. Yes. So this series, um, this, this whole subject, actually, of happiness is one of my favorite. I study it a ton, and hopefully I practice it even more, right? I, I love it. I've, I've studied. I've read books by Christians and non-Christians, read a book by an atheist, read a book by a Buddhist, so I could just learn, like, what are people saying about how can we actually be happy? So I've studied a ton, and I've tried to take that and, and really what the scriptures say and boil it down so we can learn how to be happy, but it does start with this belief. And I think that it is more important now than maybe ever before 
I want to share with you some of the things that are going on today in our world. That right now, and this, this, this one's a pre-pandemic number, there are 40 million adults who are struggling with anxiety or depression. That's nearly 20% of the adult population, and that's a pre-COVID number. Pre-COVID number. And it's only gotten worse. Right now, there is a record number of college students seeking treatment for depression and anxiety. College health clinics can't even handle the need. Suicide rate, once again, a pre-COVID number, has increased 40% in the last decade. So things were already getting bad, and then COVID made it worse. I saw a news story today that deaths of despair, which um, includes suicide and overdoses, are at an all-time high ever, over 100,000 a year in our country. But it's even worse for our teenagers. The CDC has said, and they've warned us, that we are in an accelerating mental health crisis for our adolescents. That right now, and this is a COVID number, in 2021, 44% of teenagers have reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless in the last year. Persistently. And that's perhaps why the teenagers, of teenagers, one in five has contemplated suicide. We are living in a period of people with, ha uh, with sadness, with depression, with anxiety, and they want happiness. They're seeking for it. And guess what? Whatever we're doing isn't working. What the world has to offer us isn't working. We've never had more shows to binge on Netflix, and yet we aren't happy. We have smartphones. We have access to everything, and we're not happy. So I hope that this series can help you can help your teenagers, can help anybody who's listening to my voice become a little bit happier because God wants you to be happy. And I hope that you will actually put these things into practice because, yes, it means you need to change some of the things that you're doing. It really does. And I think it starts, like as we're saying today, it changes with our beliefs. That's where we've got to start. But we've actually got to believe that God wants us to be happy before we can talk about the specifics of how to get there. So that's what we're going to do today. I, I had a text conversation with someone this week who's checking out our church. They said, I saw you're doing this series, and I need this. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not happy. Struggling with depression, and I have been for years. I need something more. So I'm glad if that's you listening right now or you're feeling that way, like this series is for you. I want to help you. And there are ways through our beliefs, through our mind, through our thinking, through our actions that we can become happier people. And it starts with that belief. So we got a lot to cover today, so I hope you guys are focused. Ready to take some notes, maybe. If you have your smartphone, you can take it out and find our YouVersion Bible app for today. If you look under the bottom right-hand corner, it says more, and you can find the event, and you can save the notes. We have all the scriptures that we're going to be covering today. You can take, save notes right in there. You're going to want to save notes from this series. You're going to want to save some notes from this series. And, and if you have a Bible, we are going to be in the book of Zephaniah. I'm going to give you a minute to find that because it's a small, obscure book, right? Zephaniah. It's in the Old Testament towards the end, one of the little prophets, three chapters. And it's in the third chapter that we're going to look today, chapter 3, verse 14 through 20. It's the end of the book. So Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20 will have the scripture as well behind me on the screen. And I want to start, I'm going to give you guys three points. Of course, our big idea is that God wants you to be happy. But in order to understand this, we have to understand that God is our Father. And it's really going to frame everything that we talk about today. So our first point, if you're taking notes, is that your father 
wants you to be happy. And of course, we're talking about your father in heaven. Your father wants you to be happy. That's point number one. So read with me in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. This is God speaking through a prophet. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. So God is addressing his people, and at this point, it's the Israelites, and they live in the city of Zion. So as he's describing them, he calls them specifically his daughter his daughter, his child. He's speaking right here as a father to his children. Now, Jesus teaches us that we actually, as individuals and as a group, can call God our father, that we have that relationship of father to child. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have that relationship. And if you don't, you want that relationship, let me tell you. Because your father wants you to be happy. And, and, and look very clearly that he says that. He says, be glad and rejoice. What does it mean to be glad? To be happy, okay? It's a synonym. Be glad. Be happy. Rejoice means to actually have happiness, to have joy. This is the specific instruction here. Be glad, be happy. As a father to his child, be happy. I want you to be happy. I have something better for you. And it's because he's our father. A few weeks ago, Melissa and I went on vacation to Moab, Utah. Melissa was born and raised there, so we go there all the time for our vacations. And we were talking to our kids. We have McKinley, who's five, and our twins are two. We were telling them all about what was coming on. And we love going hiking near the creeks there. Because when you get in the creeks, it's hot outside, but you can put your feet in the creek. You can throw rocks in the creek. It's just great for little kids, right? So we were talking all about it. And right as we were approaching into town, Canaan started saying, go to Keek. Go to Keek. We're like, what? Go to Keek. Keek. He wanted to go to the creek, right? He wanted to go to the creek, and he kept saying it, and we're like, okay, well, I guess we got to get it. We were like, we were going to go to, to Melissa's folks' house first, get, get settled in before we go to, go to the keek. So, like, the first thing we did was, like, we got to go to the keek, right? We got to go to the keek, and we took him down there, and it was cold that day, but we were still going. It's cloudy out, but we're still going to the creek, and, and when we got there, they're throwing rocks in, they're throwing sticks in, and all of a sudden, they get really muddy, right? And at first, as a parent, you're like, well, well, watch out, watch out. And then finally, you're just like, let's just let them do it, right? Because it's fun. They're having a great time. And there's mud everywhere. They're splashing each other. We found a frog. They're throwing more rocks. Watch out. Don't throw the rock at somebody, you know. But it was so much fun. And I loved watching my kids play in the keek. I don't care how dirty and muddy they get, right? Because I get happy because they're happy. And a good dad wants their kids to be happy. And that's why our Father in heaven is saying, daughter, child, be glad, rejoice, be happy. That's what I want for you. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. Maybe that's just the mean Old Testament God that wants us to be happy. What about the New Testament? <laughs> Bonus point, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are the same, okay? Same God. But I want you to show, to show you what Jesus says about this. This is an important verse. You should memorize this. John 15, 11, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. I don't want you to just have a little joy. I want you to have full joy. See, Jesus said it. He wants you to be happy. This is why he taught, so that we could be the happiest. Some of you are like, see, Matt, I got you. Jesus didn't say happy. He said joy. Ooh, got you there. So I just did a quick little search in my dictionary uh, on Google. 
The word joy, a feeling of great pleasure and... I didn't hear you. What did it say? And? Hmm. Well, it's a Greek word. Jesus spoke in the Greek there in the Bible. So maybe in the Greek, the Greek word kara means something different. A state of joy and gladness. Joy, gladness, great. Joy is a synonym for happiness, guys. I'm saying this because I have taught differently as a pastor. That there's a difference between joy and happiness. Because happiness is dependent on your happenstance or something like that. I've taught it. But guess what? It's not true. I'm serious. Joy and happiness are synonyms. If anything, it says that joy is great happiness. So maybe I should have called this series How to Be Greatly Happy or How to Be Very Happy. See, they're synonyms. Joy, you know, it doesn't mean something different than happiness. It's just a lot of happiness. So if I asked you, do you want cash or a lot of cash? Which one are you going to say? A lot of, okay, right? So when we talk about joy, I want you guys to know this. Joy means a lot of happiness from God. It's, it's a great happiness, but it's still happiness, okay? We don't have to change the words. Can I get crass for a minute? Is that okay? Yeah, please. <laughs> I'm going to be crass, but we have sixth grade and up in here, so I'm just going to say it. Okay. If You, you may, uh, when you're in polite company, say that you were making love, Right? But it's still sex, right? Just because you change the word doesn't change what is actually happening, right? So joy might be a polite word for happiness, but it's still happiness. Might be the religious word that a lot of Christians use for happiness, but it's still happiness, okay? <sighs> Thank you. If, if you want to dig deeper, and I want you to, because I love this subject. I've studied it. There's a great book called Happiness by Randy Alcorn. Great book. I, re I recommend it. 450 pages of happiness, okay? Could you get any better than that in a theology textbook, right? This is good. It's deep. It's awesome. And in it, he surveys, like, every single word, every single passage in the entire, entire Bible about this concept of happiness, and he said, if you count up the times where it talks about happiness, joy, merriment, pleasure, celebration, there are 2,700 plus passages of the Bible that talk about happiness. 2,700, in case you didn't hear that in the back. God talks about this a lot. A ton, more than a ton. <laughs> happiness, and guess what? We are commanded to be happy. Let me show you this, Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice. That means take joy. Be happy in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul is doing the same thing. He's like, rejoice. Did you hear that in the back? Rejoice. Okay, he says it again because it's that important. Be happy. Have joy. Have the fullness of happiness. That's what I want for you. So I encourage you guys to change your thinking, to change your belief that your father wants you to be happy. Some of you are like, well, then why does God have all those strict rules? Or why does God allow these bad things to happen to us? That's a great question. And we're actually going to have a whole message in our series just about that topic. But in this passage, we already start to see an answer. If you keep reading with me in verse 15. It says, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. 
The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, verse 16, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. I love that imagery of the hands hanging limp. Right? Okay. Have you ever seen somebody walking around like this, hands limp? They are not happy, right? It's like it's time, God is saying it's time to start walking with your shoulders back. Things are getting better. And, and this is important. This passage of Scripture comes at a time when, when the Israelites were about to undergo some of the worst things in their history. They were about to be destroyed by the Babylonians and taken into exile. That's why he says the time of punishment. This is actually a prophecy before that happens, talking about what will happen on the other side of the bad stuff. But he's saying you can even have happiness now because of what will happen later. And, and notice how he specifically says the word punishment did you notice that in verse 15? And then in verse 17, which we'll get to in a second, he says a rebuke. Now, this is important for us to understand because God is our dad. He's our father. And fathers punish their children. They discipline their children. In fact, in the Proverbs, it tells you, this is a bonus point, if you don't discipline your children, you hate them. That's what it says in the scripture. If you're not putting parameters and borders for your children, you hate them because you're actually leading them to unhappiness. This is what we do as parents. We set boundaries. We say no to certain things because we want the best for our kids. We want them to learn even some self-discipline so that they will be happier later. Because if we give them every single one of their wants and desires now, they might think that they're happy momentarily, but it leads to worse depression and unhappiness later. That's why we discipline our children, isn't it? I'm a, I'm a parent. I know this. And this is how I discipline my, my kids. When the twins, okay, when they may or may not have bitten each other or pushed each other. I, it just could have happened, like theoretically. What I'll do is I'll pick them up and I'll put them on timeout. I'm telling you, you're having a consequence, okay? You did something and here's the consequence. I'm going to let you experience a consequence. You're separated now and you're on timeout. I heard the other day that timeout is now like solitary confinement. Don't put your kids in solitary confinement. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> if you don't put your kids in solitary confinement now, they're going to be in solitary confinement later, okay? <laughs> A one-minute timeout isn't going to kill them, okay? Put the kid on timeout. They're crying. They're sad, okay? Then when I come over afterwards, I say to them, like, do you know why you had a consequence? And they'll finally be like, yeah. I hit, right? Hit. Okay, good. You understand it. I say, I, con uh, I gave you a consequence because we don't hit in this household. We love each other. And I'm doing this because I love you. And I give them a kiss on the head and set them back down to play. There's discipline and there's love, right? That's, that's discipline. And our Father in heaven says, I'm rebuking you. I, I'm about to punish you. There's going to be hard things in your life, bad things that happen to you. But I do it because I love you. I care about you. And on the other side of it, you will actually be happier. Because the Israelites were living in flagrant, awful, terrible sin. Walking away from God in disobedience. And God's like, I've got to do something major to get their attention so that they're ready to have this gladness and happiness. And yes, it's going to suck for a little while. But I'm doing it because I love you. See, God wants you to be happy. And yes, we are going to have a whole message coming up on how do we deal with those hard things that are very sad, that, are, that give us grief, that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that later in the series. But I want you to know, even right now, God sometimes allows you to experience those things because it's for your ultimate happiness on the other side. And we know this to be true because Jesus even suffered and died for happiness. 
Let me show you this. Hebrews 12, 2. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, for the great happiness set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus on the cross knew that this was for his and our ultimate happiness. And if Jesus was willing to do that for you, we know that, yes, there will be hard things in our life. There will be suffering. There will even be some discipline and punishment from our Father in heaven. But it's ultimately for our good. And for our happiness. Your Father wants you to be happy. Point number one. Point number one. Our Father in heaven would allow his own son to suffer and die that way. Why? Because our Father in heaven actually is happy because of you. That's point number two. Your Father is happy because of you. I want you guys to hear this. God is happy in himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect relationship from all time. They didn't need us. God didn't create us like, I hope somebody likes me and praises me. No. God had perfect happiness, so much happiness and goodness in relationship that he created us so that we too could experience that. And what's the coolest thing is our Father in heaven finds happiness in us. Oh, this verse is so good, guys. Zephaniah 3.17. This is good. Listen to this with me. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Your dad's a fighter, okay? He will take great delight in you. Did you hear that? He will take great delight in you. He will be happy because of you. That's good right there, isn't it? But it gets even better. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. He's going to move past that time of rebuke and punishment and discipline. But will rejoice over you with singing. Your Father in heaven is happy, and he wants to be happy singing over you. Okay, mighty warrior God, maybe some of you have thought that way. Assistant principal God, maybe you've thought that way. Have you ever thought of God as your Father singing to you? Seriously. I want you to stop and picture that in your head. Rejoicing. He's happy as he's singing to you. Man, that's good. Because I can tell you I'm a dad. And I like singing to my kids. At night, um, Melissa gets it most of the time. Gets the chance to rock the twins as they're drinking their bottle before bed. But every once in a while, I can sneak in there. I have a picture up here. Rocking the twins. This was after, I think, playing in the keek. They were exhausted. They were tired. And I was rocking them. They had their bio bottles, and I was singing to them. And the coolest thing, we, we sing them stories. Canaan will, they'll, they'll ask for, like, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. That's Evie's favorite. But Canaan will say, you know, he, he wants, um, he's got the whole world. So he said, whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. And I'll sing it over and over again. He's got Canaan and Evie in his hands. He's got mama and daddy in his hands. He's got grandma and grandpa. They'll just go on and on. And we sing it over and over. And they keep asking for more and more. And they giggle each time. They, uh, they, I say somebody's name that they know, right? They laugh. And every time they giggle makes my heart explode. Oh, those moments are precious. Rocking them to sleep in my arms, singing over them, your Father in heaven feels that way about you. That's how he feels about you. He loves you. He cherishes you. He rejoices over you with 
singing. That should be our image of God. Your father is happy because of you. In Psalm 149.4, it even tells us that the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He's happy when we are happy in him. Gives him the greatest joy. And that's what he wants for us. Your father is happy because of you when you turn to him. When you just reach out, he wants to pick you up and love you and sing over you. For some of you, this is a radical idea of God. But God actually is a happy God. He is. I want to show you even from the New Testament. First Timothy. This is cool. In 1 Timothy 1.11, Paul writes, In keeping with the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I was entrusted. So he's talking about God, and he uses this word blessed. Now, we use it in, in English, and it means something that, that's, that's kind of true. It's something from God. But it's the Greek word makarios. We see the same thing in 1 Timothy 6.15. It said, God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords, makarios. Now, this word is often translated in the New Testament as blessed. But if you look up this word in a Greek dictionary, it says makarios, pertaining to being what? Happy. With the implication of enjoying favorable circumstances, happy again. That's the definition of this word. So Paul is saying that we have a happy God. He says it twice in 1 Timothy. What? In case you're like, I don't know. Well, this is what a couple biblical scholars said about this passage. One said that the word translated blessed here means what? Happy. We have a happy God, a happy ruler, altogether happy. Another Bible scholar says this. The term itself means happy, and therefore here designates God as containing all happiness in himself and bestowing it on men. Our God is happy. And it's strange because we're reading the Bible in English and we still miss it, okay? God is blessed. God is happy in himself. And he's happy because of you, which is incredible. Your father in heaven is happy because of you. And that's why we come to our third point. Your father invites you to come home for a party. He wants you to come home to share in his happiness. Did you know that? We, we love this passage in Matthew 25. I, I heard it all the time. When, when the servant who's been faithful comes before the father, the, the king in that, that parable that Jesus tells, what does the king say to the faithful servant? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. We love that, right? Do you know what he says next? Come share in your master's happiness. Not only will you be rewarded, but you get to share in the master's happiness. He wants to be happy with you, so come home for the party. I want to show you this in our passage. Verse 18, as we continue on in, in Zephaniah 3, it says, I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. See, when they're in exile, they can't celebrate Passover or the Feast of Booths. Because they don't have the temple to go to. They're in exile out there. So they don't get to celebrate their party. Could you imagine not being able to celebrate Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving because you're in a foreign nation? God's like, that's about to happen. But I'm going to bring you back so you can have those festivals, those parties again. 
Verse 19, at that time I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. Verse 20, at that time I will gather you. At that time I will bring you where? Home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. I want to bring you home, he says. I want you to come home so you can have parties. That we can celebrate and rejoice together. Now, I think this is so important for us because a lot of us have tried all sorts of things in the world. Going after all sorts of stuff. Making more money. Finding more pleasure in certain things. Finding relationships and sex and work and all this stuff to find happiness. And we're still unhappy. We're depressed. That's why God just says, come home. To the party. Where there's the fullness joy and happiness. Now, I've talked with some parents of of teenagers or, or of older kids, and the thing that's the heaviest on their hearts are when their kids have kind of left, when there's a bad relationship with their adult kids. Some of you know what this is like. It, when I talk with them, like, I just feel the depth of a sadness in there. Like, I miss my kids. I love them. And, and I can't imagine that yet, thinking, you know, McKinley's 50... You know, 13 years from now, she's going to be out of the house. Like I'm like, oh, man, I'm not ready for that, right? I don't know if I'll ever be ready for that. Because I want a relationship with her for the rest of our lives. Because I love my kids. And if those kids went away and they left and they did whatever, I don't care what they do. I still want them to come home. And if they come home, I'll throw a party. And I wonder why, if that's the reason why Jesus tells a story about a father and a son who wandered off. I wonder if it's based on a passage like this, where Jesus tells a story about a father and a son, a prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And that son basically told his dad, I want you dead. Give me the inheritance now. I wish you were dead. So he takes that inheritance, takes that money, and goes and spends it on all the things that he thinks will bring him happiness. He spends it on pleasure. He spends it on women. He spends it on all sorts of stuff. And he finds himself at the lowest point of unhappiness when he has everything he thought he wanted. And that son is eating the slop with the pigs. And he looks at his father's house and he thinks about it. He's like, man, the servants in my father's house ate better than I'm eating right now. Why am I living in this unhappiness? This lowest point, I should go home. You know what's really interesting is that at the height of his success, guys, get this, John Lennon of the Beatles. At the height of his success, he wrote a personal letter to an evangelist. And he was talking about his money, or his song, Money Can't Buy You Love, right? Can't buy me love. And he wrote to this evangelist, and he says, it's true. The point is this, I want happiness. I don't want to keep on with drugs. Explain to me what Christianity can do for me. Is it phony? Can he love me? I want out of hell. Someone at the height of what our culture says, that person's happy, they're not. Some of you experience that yourself. Some of you here today because of that. You're watching online because you're like, something could give me happiness. But just like that prodigal son, he's like, I think it's time to go home. And he started walking, and he created this whole speech in his mind to tell his dad, like, please let me back. I'll be a servant. I'll do whatever you want. Just let me in your house again. 
And it says the father is waiting. He's watching. And when he sees the son far off in the distance, he pulls up his robe, he wraps it up, and he starts running. Okay? In that culture, men did not run because it was embarrassing, it was shameful, but he didn't care. The father loved his son so much that he ran to run after his son, and he picked him up, and he grabbed him, and he gave him a hug. He didn't need to hear the speech. He didn't need to hear the apology. He said, I want you home. I love you. And he tells the servants, kill the fattened calf. It's time for a party. Because my son, who was lost, who was dead, is alive again. Jesus told that story because that is the heart of our Father in heaven towards us. He's saying, come home. Come home. Quit chasing after all that other stuff that you think will bring you happiness. I have true happiness for you, and I want to throw a party for you. And that's why. In Luke 15, in this passage, what Jesus is talking about right beforehand, he says in verse 10, there is joy, great happiness, full happiness, in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. When one person says, I'm going the wrong way, it's time for me to turn and go home. Your father wants you to come home for your party, to celebrate with you, to share in his happiness with you. So we've got to go home to him. Some of you in here are already followers of Jesus. It's time to go home to the Father because you've been trying all this other stuff, thinking that you will find happiness in it. It's time to admit, yeah, it's not working. It's time to repent. Go back to the Father. And he's ready. He's waiting with open arms. You can't ever do enough to make him too mad for, to bring you back. He loves you. It's time to go back to him. For some of you, you've never gone to the Father in heaven. Maybe you didn't know him. Maybe you thought he was an angry or distant God, that assistant principle, just wanting to stop you from having fun. It's time to go to that God, the one true God who loves you and wants to sing over you. He's happy because of you. He's going to be even happier when you come home. Let me tell you that. Time to come home. In this whole series, we're going to look at different psychology studies and all sorts of stuff because... It turns out psychology is proving everything the Bible has said for thousands of years. But this is a fascinating line from Sonia Lior Bormirsky. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. She got her PhD from Stanford. She's a professor of psychology in California. She said this after looking at dozens and dozens of different studies. She said this, I don't have a religious or spiritual bone in my body. She's not a believer in anything. But she said this, the studies clearly show that religious people are happier. Ooh, okay. Because going to God, especially a God who is happy and who loves you, the one true God who sent his own son Jesus to die on a cross, ultimately to forgive you of your sins and to bring you home into the fullness of happiness. That's the God we should go to. And when we go to him again and again and again and keep going to him, we will have the ultimate happiness. You want to know how to be happier? Believe that God wants you to be happy. So let's pray. Lord God, there's lots of people here who want to be happier. Some are even struggling with sadness and depression right now. Lord God, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, that they would feel something stir in their soul. Lord God, that they would be able to see you in their mind's eye, singing over them with joy, with gladness. And Lord God, I pray that they would hear the invitation to come home. 
that we must repent of sin and turn to you because that and in you only is the fullness of happiness. Now with eyes still closed, I know there's some people who are ready to come home for the first time. That you're saying, yeah, I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to come home into the Father's house. And to do that, you have to confess that you're a sinner, to declare Jesus your Lord and Savior, and to receive his gift, not only of eternal life, because that's going to be ultimate happiness, but of the better life now. So if you're here and you're ready to say this prayer, I want to give you an opportunity to repeat this simple prayer after me. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, let's say this out loud too, to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. So with eyes closed, please repeat after me. Dear Father, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Give me the gift of new life. Help me to follow you and find true happiness. I'm coming home. Now with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer and you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, I want you to put your hand into the air on the count of three. One, two, three. Please slip your hand into the air. Let's praise God. Keep that hand up there. Let's celebrate. Let's rejoice with the angels. Can we cheer for that? Those who made that decision. And if you're online, go to risedenver.com follow. We would love to encourage you taking next steps to follow Jesus. Lord God, we're coming to you right now. There's many of us right now who've been chasing after other things that are not bringing us happiness. And we're coming to you. We're coming home. Lord, we're coming home because we know that God, you are the Father who runs after us. And we're just ready for that embrace right now. So we stand to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.